Holy shit, look at all those. Look at all those sequins. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Doom. I am but one of your humble co-hosts, Wendy, of course, you know, you know. And I am, as always, joined by the ever-fabulous... The other one. <laughs> I'm Melissa. Hi. <laughs> and we are here to spread a little joy, spread a little cheer... In the realms of cinema, but also who knows where else we will wander off to. We don't, honestly. We're just making this up as we go. Wendy, do you remember when we used to do this podcast, Dead Ass Drunk, and how it it hasn't changed the fact that we take so many tangents that we're now sober? <laughs> um, I am reminded of one of my favorite Things that was ever said about me uh, early in my 20s, somebody commented that Windy Drunk is the exact same as Windy Sober, except Windy Drunk falls down more often. Mm. And why I like that is that it implies that even Windy Sober falls down. And that is 100% <laughs> true. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'm the girl who broke, who has broken many things, standing still, <laughs> walking, um, you know, doing nothing of import. Whoops. Oh, broke it. Shit. Uh, oh, well. This is one of the many reasons why we are friends. Absolutely. But yeah, we used <laughs> to be so fucking drunk. <laughs> and I, I want to be clear. Um, I do still drink. I just... Oh, yeah. Um, we record this a lot earlier, right after work for me. So, you know, I got limited mm -hmm. opportunities uh, there. And also these days, I am much more inclined towards edibles, honestly. Um mm -hmm. <laughs> although no it's still true so there i was this weekend speaking of tangents there i was <laughs> here we are uh, this weekend <laughs> contemplating uh did i want to read um uh, read my uh high fantasy lightly smutty book um mm -hmm. which there is still not been any smut there was there was terrific smut in the first series. We've gone back to read an earlier series where there was there is a, there is no smut so far. We are in book like five. There's still no smut. There's a lot of romance, though. Well, not a lot. There's a little bit of romance. But anyway, again, a, a digression on a digression. It's digressionception. Uh, so I was contemplating, do I want to read or do I want to craft? Do I want to finish up my um, cross-stitch project that I was working on? And then I was like, well... Do I want to drink or do I want to take an edible? And then I had to come to the realization that if I was going to craft, I could do neither um, because I would look at the results forever and be unhappy. Mm -hmm. And that if I were going to read, it would have to be alcohol because if I were going to take an edible, like I 
like who knows how much would actually sink in and i was really <laughs> enjoying the story so uh so yeah that's where the things are i'm not sure what my point was but at any rate uh that's what i did this weekend no <laughs> oh, that's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> but i know what you did this weekend melissa you uh-huh. you barbie heimered i barbie heimered i got a squad of like eight people together and we barbie heimered together okay did you dress up um, I don't own anything pink, as it that turns out. That doesn't mean out. you can't dress up. No, I, I wore my, uh, uh, atomic symbol earrings. So that helps. And I had a bracelet of skulls. Uh, so yeah. I Oppenheimered rather than Barbied. But, you know, it's what I could do. Um, there is no shame in what you were describing to me. Um, I <laughs> it's do what want- I had. I do want to stipulate uh, Chris and I did not have the opportunity to Barbie Hyman by re- Barbie Heimer this Barbie weekend. Hyman? Yeah, Barbie Hyman? Barbie Hyman? That too. Ew. Um, uh, it, my mom was moving and we oh, were, yeah. the entire weekend was uh, derailed by that and by Theodora having performances of her summer musical. So uh, we're hopeful to get to it this week. But uh, oh, yeah. I will tell. I will speak more of some certain ancillary Barbie things after you have shared with me and all of us. Tell tell me, tell me, please, Melissa, about Barbieheimer. Okay, I shall. I shall. So there was a squad of eight of us, and Wendy, you will be uh, perhaps surprised and pleased to know Adam Coyer was one of them. Do you remember Adam Coyer? Holy shit! Right? He just popped up and said, "I'll take that extra ticket." I went awesome crazy so I saw him for the first time in decades yes so, so that was lovely and jody whirl was there too she came out of her shell and so that was lovely as well oh yeah and and then you know there was the, a bunch of the usuals there was noel and kelvin and uh some of my movie night folks and uh it was a a big squad of happiness we oppenheimered first on 70 millimeter but not imax it was 70 millimeter off a of film Okay, yes. like, that's the proper order. Like, we've done enough fucked up movie nights to know. Right, you know what order to put those movies in. You yeah. end on the comedy. Yes. Yes. So we, we started with Oppenheimer, and then we had a gap of, like, two hours, so we walked across the parking lot to the tea house, had a lovely supper, mm. and then went back, and then we barbied. So I will start with Oppenheimer, which did not bring me as much joy. Uh... Mm. Wendy, you would fucking hate this movie, by the way. Oh. Uh, <laughs> is it? Is it? Depressing? It's very Nolan. It's very. It's <sighs> not necessarily depressing. It's very dense and it's very Christopher Nolan. And uh, I, you I know your thoughts. Incredibly intellectual and oh, yeah. precise and very pleased with itself. It's. <clears throat> It is very clear that Christopher Nolan thinks that Oppenheimer is one of the most important people in the history of people and that, and, you know, he's not entirely wrong. I mean, this is, you know, the atomic bomb did change the world in various ways. And and it's not a glorification of the man, but it is very Christopher Nolan and it's a lot, it's, oh God, it's very dense script. Um, God help you if you don't already come in with a, a knowledge of the history of the Manhattan Project, you would be so lost. Mm. Um, 
and it's 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 very important white men important yeah sort of thing right you, it, I, you're I, gonna have very yeah. little to no uh patience for this movie i just i just know that knowing it about you um i've heard great things about the performances the, and it is oh, an it amazing is. cast a it very is. white cast um oh very uh, because, of course, it's also a historical cast and we're telling a story. And so we couldn't possibly have any imaginative components where we could just have an actor of color play any of these roles because we're already making shit up anyway. No, 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 we can't do that. I will be honest, like, I I appreciate that he's not um, glorifying him. But at the same time, this is one very wealthy, influential white man telling the story of yet another influential white man and somehow forgetting about all the damage <laughs> like yeah um, well it it does grapple with the damage but at a distance ding like there are still yeah, people exactly. alive there are people right now and like generations later who are still damaged by how those tests were conducted oh yeah and and the government, of course, still not really doing shit about it. But anyway, anyway, anyway. anyway. Well, also, it, 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 let me back up a little. There are things that I really like about the movie. Fucking hell, it's in 70 millimeter film. Mm. It is buttery smooth. It looks beautiful. The uh, cinematography is lovely. Uh, it has a fantastic cast. The cast are swinging for the fences. There's a lot to chew on there. There's a lot to like about this movie. It, you know, like. And, and yes, it's a very chewy thing. And I just love the concept that we have right now in a world where almost every movie in the theater is a superhero movie or some sort of corporate property. This is a biopic. I mean, given yeah. a grand uh, opening in all these theaters and getting an opening on film, not just film, 70 millimeter and IMAX 70 millimeter. And people are interested in it. And and it's a movie that is for adults. It's not escapism. It is a movie to be grappled with. And fuck, yeah, that's cool. I think that's fantastic. And uh, if if it does well enough, I hope there will be more. I think that's great. But I do have a lot of problems with the movie, too. <laughs> <laughs> and first of all, part of it's not the movie's fault, because I am far more interested in the Manhattan Project than in Mr. Oppenheimer himself. This is a movie that's called Oppenheimer and not Manhattan Project, so that's on me. <laughs> the movie is much more about... Uh, the government disassembling Oppenheimer after the project was completed. Huh. 60% of this movie is about the revocation of a security clearance. <laughs> oh. Which, when you put it into a sentence like that, it's like, what the fuck? We, this is a guy who helped create the fucking atomic bomb causing the death of 200,000 Japanese people changing the world and most of this movie is about the revocation of his security clearance and his defamation after after the manhattan project i mean so that's the thing and it's also a movie where you know the actions of these people caused the death of two hundred thousand japanese people and there is not a single japanese person in this movie 
Hmm. You know, much less anybody else, people of color. I mean, Rami Malek is in there, but that doesn't really count. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of what we're talking about here. My other bigger problem really is it's a very talky script. And it's Nolan, very, very dense. Get out. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's I'm shocked, shocked. But it's and it goes by rapid fire, um, especially in the beginning, the timeline jumps around. It's hard to follow. Uh, like I said, if you don't come in with at least a bit of a knowledge of the background of this story, you're probably gonna be really, really fucking lost. And it doesn't look like the script really combines any characters to streamline the story or anything. This is a very, like, true to events, I believe, as much as it could be. And so since it's a very talky script, it is a very uh, talk-not-show. <laughs> and because it's a very dense story with lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of characters... Um, this spectacular cast, any one person aside from Killian Murphy gets moments of screen time. Yeah. They kind of walk in. It's like, hi, I'm the general in charge of things here. You're in charge. You're in charge of the Manhattan Project. Bye. You know, and and so there's not much room for anybody to bring any flesh to the people. And Killian Murphy, for as good as he is, I think the way the script is designed and just the way Christopher Nolan is as a director he, it's a great performance that doesn't give you really any answers about Oppenheimer's character like the only person what I was think the point I know I know and it's uh the the only person I felt that really walked in and felt like a real human being was Matt Damon of all people. <laughs> Which, honestly, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Matt Damon is definitely, he's in his I'm here to have fun era. I'm here yeah. to do projects as small or as big as I want, to play characters, whatever. I did see a clip of him saying, like, he and his wife in counseling had come to an agreement that he was going to take a pause because he was uh -huh. like he was doing too many movies he was gone too often and the agreement was unless Christopher Nolan calls and then Christopher <laughs> Nolan called and uh the wife was not pleased <laughs> but also well that was the agreement that that was the agreement I will also say Robert Downey Jr is very good in the role he is given it's it's an interesting role and you know, maybe if I sit sit with the movie a little bit more, I'll grapple with it a little better. But I think just for me personally, it's not the movie I wanted. And like I said, that's not the movie's fault. A lot of the people I was with, I think everybody really loved the movie. Hmm. So I may be an outlier here. I mean, I keep hearing it's his masterpiece. It's Nolan's masterpiece. But I feel like also they keep saying that every time the man releases a movie. Oh, yeah. Like, um, oh, what was? Tenet? Uh, I don't think many people like no, Tenet. <laughs> no, not Tenet. Uh, let's see. There was the the one about getting the British troops off of the coast. Oh, Dunkirk. Dun thank you. Dunkirk My, was okay. Yeah, no, I and like I, it's it's good. But also, you know, 
Like, oh, look, you couldn't just tell a story. You have to have three different timelines mm-hmm. and um, and not explain that. Because, like, well, I'll just let people figure it out. Which I kind of, like, again, cool, but also there's this arrogance that comes through in the choices that he makes yeah, <laughs> between Inception and then Dunkirk and Interstellar. And, like... <sighs> I feel like he's just very busy proving he's a genius. And as we know, like, there is no such thing as the the director is genius, right? There isn't. No. Because no, no matter how, even if he's the writer and director, there isn't, even if he's the writer, the director, and the editor, there are actors there. There are, there are a ton of different people who are part of that process, the producers, and et cetera, et cetera. Like, the idea that this one lone genius is responsible for these movies. And yet I feel like he's bought into his own press and that's just me. That's my bias. That is absolutely Mm -hmm. my bias. I think he has a unique vision and he makes very solid, good movies and they're often not to my taste, but I will say Dunkirk. I did like anyway, Oppenheimer. And uh, take my opinion with a grain of salt, everyone. Up, up, Oppenheimer, up, up, Oppenheimer. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did have a lot more fun at Barbie. I would hope so. Just saying, just saying. It is hilarious. It is relentlessly pink. Yeah. Uh, it is gloriously filmed. And I am shocked to the core with what Greta Gerwig has gotten away with. because this is i mean ultimately yes it's a commercial for fucking barbie dolls but within the framework of that like if if greta gerwig was put in a corporate box to make this movie she has carved holes in it (laughs) and drove in cars through them and it is it is hilarious uh the everybody on the movie understood the assignment margot robbie is perfect uh, she has an great. earnestness to his, to to her that I don't think any other actress right now could have done what she has pulled off at this movie. Like she has that perfect, just wide-eyed, not really a, a you know blank smile, but a genuinely open to the world and yet kind of clueless about it. Yeah. Or you know, d- there's just this. Uh, she has the perfect version of naivete to make this role work and it's fucking fantastic she's a wonder to behold and um the the movie is very self-aware it is like i said fucking hilarious um ryan gosling is having the time of his life (laughs) uh it's I can't recommend it more, and it's really hard to say a whole lot more without getting into spoiler territory because uh, it really is a very incisive comedy, uh, especially when you get deeper into the movie. It is, uh, it really kind of goes for the jugular on a lot of things. And by the end, you get kind of weepy. You kind of, kind of cry a little bit. That's very cool. Okay. All of the online discourse, of course, uh, mm-hmm. not all of it, but like there's a lot um, that's been like, look at the, you know, look at the alpha males losing their minds and then the 
like, and I haven't seen it yet. And even I can tell like, wow, <laughs> way to miss the point. <laughs> like the complaints of uh, the Ken dolls are just there to be like pretty. Yeah. Yep. That's a real problem, isn't it? <laughs> oh, you have no idea, Wendy. This movie goes for the jugular on stuff like that. And Ken's just an accessory. Funny that. Yeah. And also, that's true to the toy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I cannot wait. I love the reclaiming of pink. And I yeah. mean that very deliberately because my daughter, who as a small child loved pink, um, mm -hmm. has wandered away from that very hard. Like now that she, um, through all of her middle school years, no, 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 no. That's not who I am anymore. But she, she went to see Barbie with a friend last night and she was like, mom, do you have anything pink I can wear? And the outfit she put together, oh, Melissa, it was oh, glorious. Boy. She was going for stage manager Barbie. <laughs> she Beautiful. had on her jean shorts and my, and it's kind of, kind of like a button down collared shirt, a uh, mm -hmm. pink shirt that she wore with suspenders and a bow tie. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. It was glorious. Um, she very much enjoyed the movie. But like this is like this is what Barbie is doing is this reclamation, at least for the summer, of reclaiming girl girliness. Like, mm -hmm. yes, yes, please. Yes. Femininity. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And the and uh, the movie touches on a thing, too, where Barbie initially, when it came out, was a revolution. It was a feminist fucking revolution because it was no longer about baby dolls. This is a doll that was a young woman who was independent. She could be anything she wanted to be. It was. And she had a boyfriend. Barbie's but, house. You know, not Ken's house. Barbie's house. Barbie's dream house. And, uh, you know, as time goes on, like every revolution, once you get a significant distance away from it, looking backwards, often seems regressive because you have progressed well beyond what it was fighting against. And so over the years, you know, Barbie has been seen to be regressive instead of a revolution. And the Barbie movie is trying to take that back. And it's, it is fascinating to see. And uh, also uh, my friend Prim, who was uh, part of the, the uh, Barbieheimer squad said before the movie, okay, everybody's got to figure out which Barbie they are. And I never grew up with Barbie. I never really had Barbie. I was always kind of an androgynous tomboy sort of kid. Star Wars was my thing. Mm -hmm. And so it, I, I was watching the early minutes of the, the movie going, yeah, I don't, th this is hilarious and I love it. I don't really see, you know, my Barbie, quote unquote. And it's like, am I Alan? Maybe I'm Alan, the, the Michael Sarah character, <laughs> <laughs> who just is like standing at the side in all the scenes. It's hilarious. And it's like, maybe I'm Alan. And then Kate McKinnon shows up and I went, oh, yeah, there I am. <laughs> 
I haven't even seen the movie. I've been avoiding trailers and just the pictures of Kate McKinnon. And I'm like, I know exactly what that is. I know exactly yep. what that is. That's yep. the people like me who are like, but what if I cut her hair? Oh, yep. now that I've cut her hair, do you know what you can do? You can dye her hair using markers. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's your Barbie. That's definitely That's you. my Barbie. That is definitely my Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been talking a really long time, Wendy. Oh. What has brought you joy? Um, Melissa, yesterday, Barbara Kennedy, friend, um, mm -hmm. she contacted me last week and was like, I want to see this movie and I want to see this movie with you. Ooh. And that movie is Theater Camp. Oh, tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> I was worried. I was a little worried. I tried to avoid as much as possible about it. Uh, but I saw a couple of clips. I was worried it was going to be a little bit more cringe than I like. Oh, no, it is not. Um, the only cringe is, oof, that's on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Ben Platt writing um, also in it. Also, and and his lifelong friend Molly Gordon, who is also who also helped write, who's also in it, who also helped direct, like and Amy Sedaris is briefly in it, and there's a ton of other people that I'm like I I know these are all Broadway people, like you can tell mm -hmm. they're all Broadway yeah. people, but it's all about summer camp for theater kids, right? And <laughs> and the fact that. The people who are in charge of the camp are themselves theater people. <laughs> there is so much that's so fucking on the nose. There's the poor, um, like, lone tech guy, Glenn, who is doing everything. And there's like four different productions happening. And there's, as well as just sort of being the handyman for everything, right? Because, mm -hmm. sorry for the noise, that would be my dumb cat being. <laughs> Hi, BB. Yeah, being helpful. Um, so he's like the handyman, plus he's the tech director. And so he's constantly, there's this one beautiful montage of, where's Glenn? And then he's on a walkie-talkie. Go for Glenn. Like, you need to come over here and fix this. Glenn go for Glenn. You need to come over and fix this. And it's just like, oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's accurate. Um, and what I liked is they focused, I was worried it was going to focus on the kids being far too much, much about them being awful, right? Mm -hmm. Being really, no, it's all about the adults and that makes it okay. And so there's Perfect. a little bit of humor at, that the kids engage in, mm -hmm. but it is all a, at appropriate levels, right? So this isn't about watching some 12-year-old be an absolute diva and bitch to her fellow campers. Nope. Um, if anything, that side of it is warm and loving and glorious. There's, there's none of that. Um, but it's... <laughs> I'm going to give you one of the best lines. <laughs> ben yeah. Platt, because, you know, they're performing shows, but they're also taking classes. 
And mm-hmm. so they have, you know, the choreographer teaches a dance class, the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Ben Platt is teaching an acting class. And he says, acting is about remembering and then forgetting. <laughs> exactly. That line tells you that encapsulates everything that the movie is and what it gets right because it's like oh shit they have nailed this they have yeah and so like they're doing the crucible junior like what and (laughs) they're doing i forget what else and then and then of course the two the two uh, like used to be stars of the camp who now work at the camp and have been lifelong friends and and like it's a you know and it's Molly Gordon and Ben Platt and he's gay but and she used to be in love with him but now you know now they're basically that that platonic couple that happens in yeah. theater all the fucking time and mm-hmm. they every year write an original musical and some of the titles that you see on posters that they refer to like what's like. <laughs> So some of those are just like, yup, yup, yup. I've seen fringe plays probably at about the same level. Yup, yup. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. There's <laughs> the costumer <laughs> at one point. I'm sorry to give away two great lines. But the, <laughs> they're they're about to do a performance and you know, so there's the usual like pep talk from, you know, the director, etc. And so and then he looks over and he goes to to the costumer and he goes, Gigi, did you want to share anything? And the costumer says, I was really mad at all of you a couple of hours ago, but I'm over it now. <laughs> Good show. <laughs> Yeah, that's about right. So yeah, theater camp. It um your mileage may vary. If you are somebody like me who has a background in theater, uh it it was hilarious. Barbara was cackling even more next to me. <laughs> um there was a lot of laughs in the theater. We were in one of the really small theaters though, and so it was okay. it was nicely full of people. So it was, that that part was nice. Um Good. I don't know if it would have sold it. Like, I don't know how well it's going to do, how much it's going to pull. Um, especially because, honestly, I feel like the the target audience for this and the target audience for Barbie are very similar. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, but hopefully after everybody's seen Barbie, they'll give theater camp a try because there is a lot to like there. Awesome. <laughs> um, so, Yeah. So, Melissa, what is something that brought you joy this week? I had a big week, Wendy. You did. I believe we meant you mentioned that this was going to happen this week, and then it happened, so I feel like you should share what happened. I went to see Beyonce. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, dear listeners, as I've stressed before, I believe, um, I'm not necessarily a Beyonce fan, I've always had an admiration for the woman, but her uh, uh, her music was not generally in my wheelhouse. But as I've been uh, discovering more about her over the last, say, year or so, just by happenstance, 
I I think I might be a fan now. No, Wendy, I might be a fan. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, the the first step to conversion was I I saw Homecoming, her film Homecoming, about her Coachella performance, and then this last week on Thursday night, I went to Huntington Stadium because I got a cheap ass ticket to her World uh, Renaissance World Tour, and it was. One hell of a show, Wendy. Oh, Wendy. 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 If you get a chance to go to a Beyonce concert. I I mean, obviously. No matter where you no matter where you fall on appreciating her music. By the way, her music has been changing over the years too, and I think it's now more in my wheelhouse, especially this most recent album. But even if you just just go, <laughs> Wendy, the theatrics of it. Are amazing. Um, so, first of all, um, the the stage as it was set up was this kind of proscenium, and I was off to the side, so I can actually could actually see the side of the, um, the side of the you know quote set, and then a little bit backstage, and so it was very interesting watching you know the stuff happening on the back side of the stage as well as on front, but. If you had taken like a, a VHS cassette tape and stood it on its on its side, so like it was a just a rectangle standing up straight, that's kind of what the the back of the stage looked like, and there was this kind of archway tunnel through it, and sometimes there would be a door there, and sometimes it would open, and there would be this inset stage. So there would be the stage out front of this video cassette shaped thing and then there was this tunnel that went in and more stuff would happen so unfortunately I was off to the side and I couldn't really see very often what was going on in that inset there but the whole back of the stage was an LCD screen and so that's where all the projections were of of you know the big blow up so you could see the um uh, Beyonce very very large instead of very very small you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, And so I could see on that what was going on back there. And it, there were set changes. Mm. There were costume changes. Every few songs, like she would come out and do a set of like two or three songs and then disappear. And then uh, like the, the other stuff would happen on the stage to keep you entertained. And then she'd come out again in a completely different outfit. And the dancers would come out in completely different outfits. And there would be like a scene change inside the little archway and more stuff would happen. A few more songs would happen and then she'd disappear and then stuff would happen to entertain you. And then she'd come out again and do like three or four different songs. And the, the set pieces were all themed by the songs on her most recent release. And the interesting that she, thing that she's done is she did not release music videos for any of this stuff. Oh. The music video is the tour. Oh. Yeah. So it's this big theatrical production. And man, Wendy, there were aerialists. Uh, there, there was a point where... Uh, I was, she'd walk out on the, the walkway out into the crowd and I was watching her. And then I looked back at where that, that little archway was. And there's a 50 foot tall horse <laughs> that has come out of this archway from nowhere. Remember how I said I, I could see the back of the stage too? I don't know where this thing came from. <laughs> it 
just appeared. It was a statue. It was, it was huge. I don't know how they even fit it through that archway. And I saw it go back in and there was like some theoretical physics happening there. It's like, I don't understand what happened. Uh, there, there was a car, like a futuristic car with like a, a crane on it that came out into the stage. And then Beyonce was on top of it. And then it would like, and then there was a point where she came out in this disco ball horse and flew above the audience Seriously, Wendy, this was grand spectacle and it was amazing. <laughs> and um... <laughs> I wish I could have seen it with you. I bet we would have had an oh, amazing time. Yes, you would love this thing. So, so yeah, it, it was glorious. And, and like even beyond how talented Beyonce is, she is, she is surrounded by an army of people who are the best of what they do in the business. So like the stuff that the like interstitial stuff that was being projected on the screen in between sets was amazing. Just, you know, just the design of it. There, there were lasers and lights and all sorts of stuff. And the dancers are amazing. Like if I just had two hours of watching the dancers, I'd be so happy right um, uh, between yeah. this and and taylor swift like yeah i feel like they are revitalizing and reclaiming the you know the 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 big concert the arena concert yeah. oh yeah yeah it was a hell of a thing now did you just decide you were curious and go look and see how much a ticket was like how did you I love you. you. (laughs) And it was 60 bucks. It's like, yeah, I'll pay 60 bucks to see that. (laughs) Yeah, you will. You damn Uh well will. So, so I've learned that the secret is that, um, in this day of scalpers and Ticketmaster and all this bullshit, the scalpers will, you know, flood everything out for resale pretty much right away after they bought it for an exorbitant amount of cash. Oh yeah. But a couple days away from the concert, they get scared. And suddenly everything drops down to face value. Yeah. Because they want to not be stuck holding these tickets. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're below face value because they just want to get rid of them. And so there I was a couple days before the Beyonce concert going, oh, that looks good. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. I I need... I need there to be some laws. I need there to be some laws because like even like the Broadway tour of Beetlejuice, it's already Mm -hmm. been so snapped up that the tickets that are up in the very back row of the highest balcony are at $150 each in fucking Austin. Like, Mm -hmm. come on. (laughs) Like, and yep. needless to say, like, actually getting to see anything on Broadway, get out. And the same, like, with any con, like, mm, there needs to, something needs to be done. Something needs to be done, needs to be done. Needs to be I done. agree. I agree. Though, like I said, I mean, most of the concerts, I've been, well, a lot of the concerts and shows I've been going to, I haven't planned ahead for. So a couple days out. I'll see if there's something left. And a lot of times what also helps is often I'm going alone. So it's just one ticket. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now that being said, put me wherever. I would have sat someplace (laughs) away from you and then we could have just planned to like be texting each other constantly. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. (laughs) That's. Yeah, seriously, Woody, it's amazing. That's amazing and glorious and wonderful. Like, I am now having FOMO about not making an effort to get to see the Eras tour. Um, oh yeah and like i'm not i'm not a huge taylor swift fan but it's simply seeing how much joy people are having and the way they're talking about being in such an overwhelmingly female space which i know what that can feel like from roller derby and then just don't forget to bring your friendship bracelets don't forget to trade your friendship bracelets like it's it's again going back to barbie it's this glorious celebration of girl this summer oh yeah and it's oh you should have you should have seen the crowd wendy (laughs) at the beyonce concert oh you would have loved this crowd you sent me a couple of pictures (laughs) Uh uh-huh well first of all there were more cowboy hats on people than i've ever seen in minnesota ever huh because they're um one of the promo shots from renaissance is uh Beyonce with a, a silver lame cowboy hat. Oh, yeah. And oh boy, everybody was all in on that. And and the people who really understood the assignment went big. So, you know, you had these these lame, shiny, sequined, rhinestone, light up, fur lined cowboy hats. <laughs> yes. With fringe. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And and you know, women in you know, thigh-high boots with spike heels that could no longer walk at the end of the night. I have never seen so many men, firemen, carry their their girlfriends out of there because they could no longer walk in their shoes. Uh, <laughs> there were uh, there were so many men in mesh shirts. Oh yeah. I, I mean, a lot of men in mesh mesh shirts. Uh, so much fringe, like more spangles than you could shake a stick at. Uh, everything was glittery. Uh, there were two women who had the, um, oh goodness. There was an outfit that Beyonce came out in, in part of the show, but these two women, I was walking behind as I was finding my uh, seat and it's like, what the fuck is going on here? They were in these uh, nude colored bodysuits with black arms and hands like that that were appliqued onto the bodysuits, like reaching for their tits and their ass. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 They, it was, it was, it was a hell of a thing, Wendy. It was like a convention except Beyonce, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. that's what it sounds like. There was so much Beyonce cosplay going on. <laughs> and also dear listeners, Huntington stadium is an outdoor venue, an open air stadium. There are few things as lovely as when Minnesota is finally having a really nice evening and seeing an event in an open air stadium like that. I saw a beautiful sunset over the skyline of Minneapolis from where I sat and it was it was absolutely perfect outside. It was like 70 degrees. Ugh. It was just mm, perfect. Ugh, that's cruel. Perfect. It's cruel to tell me that. Cruel. <laughs> You you moved to Texas, Wendy. I can't help you there. Yeah, no, that's on me. Um, <laughs> well, my thing that brought me joy will take yes. much less time for it is much less involved. 
Yes. Um, there is. I'm going to talk about another movie. That movie is Pride. Oh. It's from Ooh, 2014. Yeah. And uh-huh. this is something, and it's about something I didn't know about. So I was very excited because it is a historical drama. Um, it's a period piece set in the early 80s. And it's about mm-hmm. the miners strike during Thatcher's reign that Thatcher successfully won. She broke them. These miners were on oh. strike for a year. Yeah. And it opens with, um, like, uh, they're having a gay pride march or something, and and our main characters who are all in the queer community, um, one of them is like is watching the news about the miners and is like, and afterwards, and this I thought this was really powerful was like, hey, did you notice? Like the, he's giving sort of a rousing speech. He's like, did you notice how we weren't harassed as much? Did you notice how there was less of a police presence? And it's because uh-huh. they're off cracking skulls on the miners. We need to show oh. our support for the miners because we know oh. what it's like. And so these, <laughs> these, this gay community, like, starts fundraising for the miners. And like, there is a little bit. Like they're, they're being politically savvy of like, let's tie ourselves to this because the miners are getting talked about on the news. So this is a way, but also we genuinely want to help. And so they keep contacting the union. The union will not play ball. Finally, they just call like the council of a small town in Wales, small mining town in Wales. And they make this connection and it goes from there. And like, and it's awkward at first and then, Mm -hmm. and then they're like, but they're willing to help us and we need the help and all, like all these things play out. It is fucking heartwarming and like to, to cut to the end, right? Like this is not a movie Mm -hmm. that you watched it for the surprises. You watch it, you watch it for all of the people along the way and the characters. Um, Mm -hmm. So... After that, after the events told in this film, which are, there's a, a, the main points are true. This Mm -hmm. is true that, uh, in parliament, the labor party adopted, it had been brought up and, and consistently voted down, tabled, etc. The labor party brought up equal rights for homosexuals, like gay rights after these events. And it, and it got added to the Labor Party's platform, in large part ah. because of one very large voting block, the Miners' Union. Huh. Right? Wow. Yeah. So, well, ah. I had no idea about this, that this movie even existed. 2014, I saw a TikTok with, like, the trailer, and I'm like, what is this movie? I need to see it. And, Melissa, everybody, by the way, is in this fucking movie. Ooh, it's got Bill like Nye. This. It's got Imelda Staunton. It's got Patty Considine. It's got Dominic West. It's got George McKay. He's the young man who was the main character in 1917. Oh yeah, yeah. It's got yeah. Andrew Scott, our favorite sexy priest from uh, Fleabag, who's also <laughs> you know um, uh, Benedict Cumberbund's uh, uh, Moriarty, right? Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. So, like, this cast is insane. 
And it's just fucking heartfelt. And like so many wonderfully sweet moments over and over and over again. Because of course it's also touching on the AIDS crisis. Yeah. Because it's the summer of 1984. Um, oh, geez. Yeah. Dead center of it. Yeah, exactly. So I cannot recommend this movie highly enough. It is exactly the movie that you think it is, and that makes it wonderful. Like Nice. Yes. Yes. That goes on my list right fucking now. Um, Alongside uh, They Clone Tyrone, which is uh, out now, and I really want to see <laughs> Um, I will tell you, uh, it's supposed to be on Paramount. Um, okay. But uh, it might be locked because it it's tied to Showtime on there. We gave up and just oh. rented it for like four dollars yeah. from from Apple, and it was like yeah. And, and now I'm regretting because I feel like we should have just paid the ten bucks to buy it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I wish that Apple had an add-on feature, like that any of these things were like. Okay, rent it for four, buy it for ten. Hey, can I rent uh -huh. it and if I love it, pay six dollars more to buy it? Like Oh boy. Do you know how much there, there are so many movies that would benefit from right? a feature like that. Yep, yeah, right. And I feel like the streaming channels would also benefit from it. Yeah, well, they can fuck themselves. I'm I all for uh I forget who whose idea it was. I think it was Ruffalo, apparently. Ruffalo's the one who's like, Why don't we just all start making our own movies? Like, right? fuck the studios and make them come to us. There are some movies that are still in production because they have met the demands and they said that the they will retroactively, anything that they are not already doing, they will retroactively yep. meet the demands. Yep. Like, yes. Because, I mean, I knew it was bad. Even I didn't know how bad it was. But, like, now you're starting to see all of these actors. Like, hi, I was one of the major I was one of the the top line cast of Orange is the New Black for how many seasons? I made nothing off of doing that. Mm -hmm. Like after the taxes and paying, you know, the agents and the lawyers and, you know, all of the people that have to be paid because they are part of the process. Like I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not dissing on that. Like by the time all that gets taken out, it's like, oh, that sounds like a lot. Here's how much it actually was. I went home for a whole movie with $15,000. And now the residuals yeah. that I get, right? Or like Orange is the New Black, the entire residuals is amounted to $87. Are you kidding me? Yep. So yeah. Yep. Solidary Forever. Apparently, um, the there are airline workers airline cargo workers that are considering striking now as well how great would that be if ups right? and the airlines went on strike together like i don't love what that's going to do for like the supply chains but i will not complain like right solidarity right. because the better things are for them the better things are for everybody truth absolutely on board on board Union forever. Anyway. Solidarity. Um, so, Melissa, this has been kind yes. of a good week. Yeah, it has. Very consequential. Um, Alan Cerny on his, on his social media was like, what if this is another 1982? Wouldn't it be great? Um, and I mean, part of that is because a lot of the projects that were paused by the t pandemic are now hitting. Yeah. 
Like there's there's so a like within the last yeah within the last year we've been having a really good crowd of movies yeah and like and I'm kind of loving that the superhero stuff is kind of pushed off to the side I'm I'm experiencing yep. a little bit of that fatigue absolutely oh god <laughs> I am so tired of superhero stuff. <laughs> So at any rate, I guess we should wrap this up. This has been a super long, yeah, we should. super long. Yeah. Episode. So we were Go so us. excited. Um, <laughs> so listeners, thank you as always for tuning in to listen to us ramble. And we hope that um, you will get out and find your own joy in whatever manner uh, suits you. We hope that your summer it just sparkles with it. So um, I have, of course, been Wendy, one of your pretty okay co-host joined as always by the ever fabulous <laughs> melissa i'm also okay you're pretty okay and we will Aww. talk to you next week bye bye thank you for joining us in the xanadu cinema pleasure dome our theme song was written by tim wick and jeffrey brown and recorded and mastered by chad dutton new episodes arrive every thursday you can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at XanaduCinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I do know that there is a musical number in Barbie. I do know this. Oh, there is. You will plot. You will absolutely plot. <laughs> You'll love it. You will love it. <laughs>